Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, February the 28th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well, welcome into the podcast another edition of this program and joining me in just a little bit a friend of the show Ernest Dove Ernest is a credentialed member of the media down in St. Lucie uh, covers a lot of the minor leagues but also is very in touch with what uh, is going on up and down the Mets organization has uh, written for MetsmerizedOnline.com in the past but now he's really just focused on radio has a great show every Saturday and if you follow him on Twitter, at Ernest Dove, I think you'll really get a feel about some of the names that are being bandied about. Not the overt names, but uh, we're going to get into the depth because uh, one of the themes of this show today is we know what the Mets are right now from a top-line perspective. But to win a championship and to compete and make the playoffs or to go anywhere in this game, you're going to have to have a 40-man roster. And pitchers sometimes 7, 8, 9, 10 in the rotation can be critical to making the playoffs. Uh, bullpen arms that emerge that you weren't thinking about and come in and all of a sudden become key factors make up for maybe guys that don't perform up to expectations or injuries. And then what happens when a starter needs some time off, an injury? I'm not saying anything serious. Who can fill in for a weekend series? Uh, you know, who emerges from the depth of positions to all of a sudden step in and, and be a, a component player or maybe more. And Ernest is the best guy to talk about that because he's connected with a number of people throughout the Mets organization, as well as players, coaches, and, and he really studies this this game from a, a detailed perspective. It's not just hotline, you know, hot takes and, and top line stuff. So he'll be joining me in just a couple of minutes. But how good is it to be uh, now a week in, we had our pitchers and catchers show last week. Uh, here, at least in the Northeast, it looks like the weather's turning. We're thawing out a little bit. You get to see, to see some scenes down from Port St. Lucie. 
the crack of the bat. I'm sure those that are down there and, and able to cover the team, even from a socially distanced perspective, can smell the grass. And I mean, look, opening day is right around the corner. It's amazing how quickly the offseason goes in some respects. And then in other respects, where you still have a number of minor leaguers and major leaguers looking for jobs and the hot stove seems to be perpetual and you're still hearing talk about the CBA and labor negotiations where it seems endless. So uh, hopefully now we're turning the corner here. It looks like the Mets have pretty much finalized their roster. If there's going to be any moves, it's going to be of the, I would say, non-roster or some kind of uh, minor league variety. And uh, really what the theme here is we set up spring training. And the way I look at this team is, is pretty simple. They have a good offense. We've said that all winter. They were top five offense last year. It looks like Luis Rojas believes some of the little things like base running and uh, things like that, situational hitting, could could be improved, and, and I think that that's fair. I mean, certainly working on defense, whether it be using analytics for positioning or, or just getting guys in a, uh, a mindset of this is your position and work on it so that they can become masters of whatever their ceiling is at that craft is, is something that they're, they're – they're focused on. I think the rotation is good now that they've got Taiwan Walker. It gives them a little bit of a hedge or bet if Lucchese or Peterson are not as good as advertised in spring training. And you have those two guys going at it, uh, potentially with one going down to Syracuse in the minor leagues, or maybe in the case of Lucchese, maybe he goes over to the bullpen. So you wait for Noah Syndergaard. You don't know what you're going to get. But in the interim, I think the rotation is good. It is going to require Stroman and Carrasco to be good because I don't think you want to rely on Syndergaard too much. And look, the bullpen doesn't have Lugo right now, but it doesn't seem to be that serious, and he should be back, I'm going to say, early May. I think the the worst-case scenario by Memorial Day, I think that that's, uh, from what I'm, I'm reading, that doesn't seem to be that serious. But... Uh, the bullpen is, to me, a huge question mark. I know it's better. There's some interesting arms like Trevor May. You got Miguel Castro now for a year. Aaron Loop has come in. You hope that uh, Edwin Diaz continues to build upon, uh, albeit a small sample size, a successful 2020 to be the dominant closer that they gave up a top prospect for. And you have some surprises that you're going to be looking at. You know, Can Sam McWilliams, who we keep hearing all about, this scrap heap pickup from Tampa, who Kevin Pillar says has elite stuff, can he all of a sudden jump into this bullpen and be a surprise? Is there a young pitcher like a Riley Gilliam? Or is Jerry Blevins got something left in the tank to make this team? Uh, there's not a ton of opportunities here. I think if you look, you've got 11 guaranteed spots throughout the position players. It's really going to come down to, I'm assuming, 13 pitchers they'll carry and 13 hitters. So you've got three guys for two spots, Almora, Guillorme, and Jose Martinez. I think Guillorme is pretty guaranteed. And then it comes down to, uh, you know, probably I think Martinez would make it. I know he has options as well as Almora. So uh, you probably would take the bench bat at that point, even though he can't really play D and you don't have a DH. Uh, Now that you have Pilar, I'm not sure Almora uh, fits, but who knows? You know, guys are going to play themselves in or out of positions here. And, you know, from the bullpen, if you look... Uh, I mean, right now, if I'm bringing up the depth chart, your bullpen, uh, while Lugo is out, uh, is is pretty set in the sense where you got Diaz, your closer, you have May, you got Familia, you got Castro, you got Patances. I'm assuming Gazelman still is going to make the team. Aaron Loop, um, you know, is in there. And, and Ken McWilliams, you got Drew Smith potentially trying to sneak his way in. Uh, you know, do they do they go with the veteran, like I said, Blevins or, or Stephen Tarpley, who's in there? So... Uh, there is some positional battles that will crystallize over the next few weeks, but um, for the most part, this team is set. I mean, yeah, you're going to have, uh, I think, guys who are auditioning who may not make the team, but when there is a need for starters, you know, 7, 8, 9, or before Syndergaard, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you always need 10 starters. You need to have those options, and hopefully good options, not stars, but guys that can come in and give you five or six decent innings and keep you in a ball game. You have Yamamoto. You've got Harold Gonzalez, who's starting an early game. You know, there's a Mets prospect that nobody's talking about. And then you have a veteran like Jared Eikhoff, which you've heard some some good things. So we're just starting to set up the things we're going to look at. That's really the theme here today. So Ernest Dove is going to join us. We're going to get his take. Who are some of the young arms he's looking at uh, positionally as well as pitchers? And also, the Mets are doing something I think that's really good, which is bringing the top prospects into camp and... They're allowing them to interact with these, what I think is a good 
bunch of guys on the roster. So you'll hear about Francisco Alvarez and Matthew Allen and Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos. So we'll get his take on, you know, what is he seeing with some of these guys? They're guys that we're looking at. If they're missing a minor league season, you know, how have they been? Because he knows what these guys are doing, Ernest. You know, how, what are they doing uh, to keep in shape on this lost minor league season? And are, is their development stunted? And what can we expect? Is anybody a possibility for 2021 as the Mets go out there and look to win and compete, make the playoffs and possibly compete? for a championship under this new ownership regime. So talking baseball, it's a beautiful thing. Not CBA, not hot stove, not media nonsense, talking baseball. That's what today's show is all about. So let's take a quick break. When we return, Ernest Dove live from Port St. Lucie, giving us a little flavor of what's going on down in Mets camp, and we'll talk about that more right after this. Everybody remembers Daniel Murphy's home run barrage in the 2015 postseason. What they may not remember is how Bartolo Colon came out of the bullpen to help get the game to Jerry's Familia. Michael Stahl, author of the book Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon in his own words, and I talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, he does discuss in the book, Bartolo, that is about how uncomfortable he was coming out of the bullpen, but he knew that that was what the team needed, so he was going to do it. And, um, you know, he had a couple of tough luck performances. He gave up a few runs, but, you know, I think in the World Series, I want to say, I think he came in with runners on. I mean, this is something that this guy has just, like, literally almost never done in his entire, forget just professional career, probably in his entire, like, life. You know what I mean? Like, when he was starting to pitch in the Dominican Republic at age, you know, 14, you know, I don't think that the way they organize games there, he was, you know, coming in out of a bullpen and, you know, with runners on in, like, an eighth-inning situation or whatever it was. Uh, or extra innings, I think, was what happened in the World Series. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the Shea Sutley play. I mean, he should have gotten out of that inning. Um, so he had a little bit of tough luck in the in the playoffs, but overall he pitched, he pitched pretty well for them and in a spot where he was not comfortable. And I think that says a lot about him as a character and as a teammate. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. We're back, and joining me, uh, he's been on the program before, and if you guys aren't following him on Twitter, you should be uh, Ernest Dove, at Ernest Dove on Twitter, 5 o'clock every Saturday, he has the sports report, sportanarium.com, and I know we have uh, a few UK listeners in this show, but uh, Ernest has a bunch of UK listeners, apparently, so you might be more familiar with him than me, though. Ernest, welcome to the program here on uh, a Sunday morning, you know, it's so nice to see the snow out here in New York finally melting. I know you're down in St. Lucie or in that general area, and baseball's back. You could smell the 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 grass and the crack of the bat down there in Florida. So give give the listeners of the Northeast a little bit of positivity because it looks like spring is here, at least where you are and from a baseball perspective. Well, it's definitely here in South Florida. So I know the weather actually, well, I don't want to say cold, obviously. That would be crazy of me to say. So, I mean, it was getting into the 40s and 50s here, which usually gets everyone a little uh, frantic. But I would have taken I mean, that. This point, some, <laughs> give, it, give, those poor, like, give it to us. Give it to those poor people in Texas and the Midwest. So, yeah, give us the 40 to 50 degree weather, you know? <laughs> no, it's it's pretty beautiful now. Uh, but, the, you know, the biggest thing, obviously, would be the rain. And I know over the years, even down here in minor league seasons, they'll have like entire weeks, like pretty much shut down from raining every day. But right now, what really makes it spring is the baseball. And it's it's been kind of free and clear uh, weather-wise in that regard. So that's why the, the camps are open every single day. So it's been pretty exciting for these guys to get their shot every morning. So, you know, this is the time of the year, the first week. It's like uh, I, I look at the old dodgeball uh, quote when uh, the – the Ben Stiller characters like, Hey, you're great. I'm great. Everybody's great. Everybody's great right now. It's the first week of spring training. The only more positive point is when you do the press conference, but you know, and I know things that aren't, aren't always going to be great. So a couple of things we're going to talk about is obviously we you're big on prospects and you follow these guys down there. Uh, and we'll get to some who are impressing uh, you down there. Although I, it probably won't help this year, but the first thing I always like to ask is that, and you're really good at this. And if anybody doesn't follow Ernest at Ernest Dove on Twitter. You you really should because he's going to start throwing names at you that you're probably not thinking about. And throughout the course of the baseball season, 
you're not just going to go with 26 guys. You're going to go with 30, 35, 40, and these days even more. So give me some of the early names you're looking at that potentially are going to help the Mets in 2021 that nobody's really talking about. I mean, there's, that's the thing. I mean, we, I know I spend a lot of time on social media saying what's happened to the farm system in the last two years. So a lot of the upper minors depth has been traded away, but I mean, there are still guys. It's just a matter of how you want to assess and how you want to evaluate it. And even during the 2020 lost season for the minors, uh, I tried my best to keep in touch with a lot of the guys who are on the grind behind the scenes. And I know one of the pitchers that I'm well known for at this point for a year uh, one of the relievers is Marcel Renteria. And one of the things was during the lost season, he's a guy who in 2019 transitioned from a starter to reliever. So he's making his way in the low minors only in like class high a, but during the lost season out of nowhere, some of these guys are hitting up these training facilities. And that's the thing. I mean, the, it has to be, obviously you work on it. The Mets approve it. Uh, the organization is really good with their communication with these guys all throughout 2020. But a guy like Marcel Renneria was in some of these training facilities that are becoming really built up and well-known at this point. And out of nowhere, he's a guy who was always throwing hard, 95, 96, 97. He's been touching 99 on the radar with nobody watching in these training facilities. So now you're looking at a guy like Renteria out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, I see it in the last few weeks, Baseball America, out of nowhere, uh, they have him ranked uh, in the top 30, which he had never been ranked before either. So obviously he is now getting noticed and it's hard to not notice, you know, 99, uh, even behind the scenes once people start to hear about it. But you have a guy like that who can throw three or four pitches from a reliever position. That's when it becomes interesting. So that's why he's one of my guys among a few others as well. It's interesting you bring that up because it's been a criticism or frustration maybe because I know it's not easy of mine. Every other team takes failed starters in the minors and converts them into bullpen help. And Trevor May gets $7 million a year. Trevor Rosenthal gets eleven. It's getting expensive. And look, whether you have Steve Cohen as an owner or what, the, what was going on before him, at some point you have to have value on a, a roster. You can't have a $500 million payroll, despite what Twitter thinks, despite what Mets fans think. You have to be able to get value pieces. And I think the bullpen is where the Mets are hurt because they haven't been able to. They made all those trades a couple of years ago when uh, Alderson left the first time. I know one of those guys may be you know, on the way back. Stephen Nagosik, you've talked about him. But all of them kind of flamed out. Sam McWilliams, uh, a guy that's a failed starter in the Tampa system, turning some heads. Uh, Is that something that could be better under a new, now the scouting guys are all the same. So, you know, remember the Mets turnover, I think in the minor league system, other than the, 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 you know, analytics side, it seems like the core guys, Tommy Tenoy and these guys are still here, the scouting department. Uh, So it'd be interesting. What will change? And do you feel it can change? And is Renteria the first of maybe a pipeline of some of these guys that are failed starters, but have value out of the bullpen? I mean, that, and it's also about, right, even though I hate to say it, it, everybody gets into analytics big time. But throwing aside the actual stats and players being valued in those metrics, I'm also talking about the training side of it. Because when you get into guys like Mar- Marcel Renteria, when you get into Steven Nagosik, and even uh, Tony DeBrill, who's a pitcher we haven't talked about in a couple of years in the Mets system, these are three guys who, you know, in these lost seasons – they're going back on the grind, all in these specific different training facilities, really getting into the uh, with the Rapsido. They're they're learning more about their own pitches, their spin rates, control, uh, even mechanics. So even though there's been a lot of good coaching anyway, the Mets have some amazing coaching up and down the system, even in the low minors from Dominican leagues all the way up to AAA. They're all they're well established, but now they're bringing in also extra resources uh, the Mets organization. But I'm saying these guys like this, some of these names. They did this, they did that, they struggled in the upper minors. They're going back into these certain facilities with certain more analytics, really learning more like Nagosik is really learning to the point of actual spin rate, what to do to generate more. I mean, it's an amazing new world and it doesn't mean they they weren't always really doing it, but when you really specifically get into it in a lost season where all you have is your training and your analytics and your educational mind, 
there's been some different things happening with some of these guys. So that's why it's just between that and the resources, because I was hearing from months ago when uh, Cohen took over, the coaches were already being told, by the way, we are hooking you up because you deserve it. And this is what you're going to get. So that was a good sign, even from the player development stand, because you're already being told the money's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, we're going to be providing resources. They're bumping up certain departments throughout the system. It's going to help in a lot of ways. You bring up, and I have Ernest Dove with me. Uh, you guys can check him out on Twitter, at Ernest Dove, the sports report, uh, good stuff. One of the guys that really is in touch with the Mets minor league system and the process of building up an organization, and that's why we have him on this show. You mentioned the lost minor league season, and as I'm hearing you talk about it, there's a lot of negativity, no minor leagues. Everyone's de- you know, development was stunted for a while there for like 60 or 90 days, depending on where they live. You couldn't even get gym access. So these guys are doing what you did when you were 12 years old or eight years old. You were makeshifting things like when I was living on 18th Avenue in Brooklyn and we're creating a strike zone and all those things. But what you also now described is as things opened up and things were able to you know safely interact, they're now micro-focusing on themselves outside of the actual act of minor league games. That's been a debate because there is a whole cluster of people. It's almost like the scouts versus analytics debate where they say, you're turning this into a lab. But it sounds like there's value to that. Now, clearly having a season and playing games is what's going to bring that stuff to the top. We got to see results. But uh, it sounds like there may, in a crazy way, losing a full year of minor league development for some guys who were able to maturely uh, you know, jump on some of the other things you talked about may actually benefit them in the long run. I mean, that's also what you hope. You hope for them. Uh, we, we interviewed this past week. We interviewed Steven Nagosik uh, while he was in camp, and he talked about some of these exact things. And what, what happens is, you know, when you, now you're waking up, from morning until you go to bed, any part of your training and you go to a facility or a lot of these guys go to the parks, but it is kind of like all about you because when you're in a camp right now, that even through the system, you're going to have certain amazing coaches. And I know some of them like Ricky Meinhold is amazing and everyone respects him throughout the entire Mets organization. But Ricky Meinhold is one guy and you have like, you know, let's say you even have like 10 arms to each coach assigned to you in a certain section of the field. Right. So you could even think of it in little league terms, like, hey, let's all get together to practice today. You know, me and Silva and eight other guys are going to practice at third base. There, yeah. There's 10 I'm of the, us training I'm the at first third base. baseman. Yeah, Mark Vientos is throwing <laughs> at me. Five foot eight Mike Silva, he's throwing at me because nobody else is around, right? So there you go. <laughs> it, it just becomes one of those things where right. they're not really neglecting you. And in the, I know the Mets, they're really good. If you go to them, go to them, go to them. If you're proactive, they're going to give you the time. But it's like there's so much going on. But now, these guys wake up and their entire day is devoted to themselves, really. You go to a certain facility, the time that you're there, every waking moment is them staring at you, filming you, showing you the data, talking about it with you. Your whole day is you, 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 and it can really build you, build you up. Otherwise, it's like you, you naturally take turns, do this, do that, throw a pen real quick, and then you're on your own and you kind of just sit. So hopefully some of the benefits is that they made it completely about them. There's none of those things where I had a bad game now. You're just like, you're all about the entire thing of, you know, being concerned and focusing on yourself. And even these guys hitting up parks, hitting up high school places on a field together, different players. It's really cool. You're hitting up guys that are in other organizations. The level means nothing. Nobody cares. Triple A, single A. They're just like, hey, you're a pro like me. Let's meet up at the park. And we do we have enough gloves for like the field? And you kind of do your thing. But some of that training that's very specific, you hope, especially for the arms, because what do we do with pitchers, right? They're all capped, cap, 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 innings cap. It's this is a crazy season to have no season. So what do you do? You gotta throw. Uh, so you try to have the best environment you can, but hopefully. It's, you may see some differences because some of these guys, are, they're vowing to look a lot different than the Mets and the fans and the minor league junkies remember them from 2019. You mentioned some of the technology like Rap Soto, and I think we heard a lot about it throughout the offseason, maybe because Trevor Bauer was a free agent. And if anybody read MVP Machine, Bauer and, and that whole process of, of the infancy of this technology is outlined. Driveline sometimes and Kyle Bodie get a bad rap. 
I mean, everybody seems to say, well, it's about throwing too hard and blowing your arm out. And I'm wondering, there's got to be, I always believe there's a middle ground. I think it's not just about velocity. And one of my biggest gripes about the Mets pen is that there's too many walks in that bullpen. So Aaron Loop, to me, at least brings in some guy uh, that, that, could, that could throw strikes. I mean, there's just, you know, four, five, six. It's amazing how nobody cares about walks anymore. Well, you do five, six walks per nine in a bullpen, that's putting runners on base. And I don't care how dominant you are, like Edwin Diaz, all it takes is one hit at that point. Um, but, you know, is, is there actually a component of learning how to pitch with this stuff? Because that's the, the complaint from the layman. They're just learning how to throw hard. But I'm listening to you. It's much, much more than that. No, yeah, even for me, I know there are some guys like a Tony DeBrill, he wants to get his velocity back up. But when you're going through some of these trainings and analytics and some of these uh, facilities, when you're working on other things and your spin rate and your specific mechanics, and you know, like the Grom is an absolute expert, no matter what he does, everything he throws, it just is from the same angle. It's perfect. So these guys now, even through these facilities, they're also working on things like that. So, yeah, it's not just about, like, how do I get to 96? Like, no, no, no. Uh, because you got to do other things anyway to stay in the game because you need more command. So whatever's going on, but behind the scenes and in these facilities, they are trying to work on all these things. Because even a good spin rate, what does that mean? I'm going to sit here and do the 12-6 curveball, right? That's great. But is it ever going to end up anywhere near the zone? And that's what these guys are also learning in these trainings and facilities, along with the spin rates and the this and the that, the RPMs. It all sounds great, but can you throw it with control and can you actually mix it up correctly? So those are benefits being shown uh, in these facilities for sure. The name that is going to get mainstream media attention is Sam McWilliams, the the guy they acquired over the offseason, a free agent. Uh, hearing great things, Kevin Pillar said he has elite stuff. Again, everybody's great right now. Throwing bullpens. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because that's that's more a more overt name. You're more about the hey, let's get into the organizational. You threw some names that probably nobody's talking about right now. But there's an overt name that uh, is getting a lot of attention on multiple platforms. MLB Network even interviewed him on a Saturday afternoon uh, on the radio, which I'm like, you know. It's crazy the kind of interviews they'll do on that network. Uh, it's, that's how deep dive they're doing. So what are your thoughts on this Sam McWilliams, and, and is he going to be an impact pitcher out of that pen? I mean, well, that's also the thing as well. Okay, well, as long as you define a certain guy like this, right? Tweener, had a lot of years in the minors, throws really hard. Uh, even the K rate is not hasn't been super high in his pro career. Maybe the Rays are just kind of like, well, we have our guys already in the majors by 21, 22. So <laughs> these guys are, I guess by yeah. the time you're like 25, you're too old for them. So, right. I, but you also hope now with certain coaching, you know, what can they do with him? It's always going to be about what can you do? I'm willing to always trust the Mets uh, scouting departments, even from the draft, amateur scouting and their player development. And again, I'm a huge Ricky Meinhold fan anyway. And some of the other guys that are well-known, like Phil Regan for like forever, I, I'm willing to see what he has. But then like even like what you're talking about, can we have a guy like this and know that he'll be in the pen? Don't do the whole thing where we could do everything. And I know the Mets for years, I'll, I've been stressing over this with some of the prospect guys. I'll call up these guys or like a Corey Oswalt and other guys. And it, like they have them up, down, starter, reliever, starter, reliever. If they want to have a guy like Mick Williams, he throws hard, right? Here's your role. Come in. You're going to be this. Use an arm the right way. Use your fancy analytics then to find the best matchups. Get him into the game as a pen. As long as you don't just be like, okay, we need you for five innings, and then we're going to send you down to AAA, and then we're going to bring you back up for one inning, and then we're going to send you down, and then we'll send you back up. Right. I don't care who you are. He can throw 99 and 100 all day. He's probably not going to succeed. So great point, great point, great point. And I've been saying, I understand in this, it's a fantasy baseball mindset, but nobody, okay, the travel's better. Now you have Syracuse, you basically have a New York state farm system. So you don't have to go all over the country, but think about the person, triple A baseball gets the call, bus ride, Uber, plane, whatever, ballpark, start, relieve, back down, back up. It's a toll on your life. Nobody talks about that. And I know, I, I know there's going to be a need for that with double headers and in times where your staff is trashed, but it becomes a commonplace thing where you look at the transaction sheet. It's like up, down, up. Well, he's got options. 
well, does that even, like you said, it's not setting him up for success. Corey Oswald might be a great example. Maybe Chris Flexen, who goes over to Korea now comes back. Maybe he'll be an example about how getting a, a defined role on a team. There has to be some common sense. They can't just be, this is not CBS sports line here. It's, it's not fantasy baseball. I think that's a great point, And nobody talks about that. And I know it's part of the business, but I don't think it, people understand how upsetting the up and down is for a minor league baseball player. I, even on the hitting side, Luis Guillorme, you know, I've been talking about him for years. And a guy like this is always on the taxi squad. But do you know what that means? That you're not like even in a batting cage at that point. So you're, you're just you're literally sitting wherever. You're sitting <laughs> in a hotel, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's, okay, well, now we need you. And then you're there at the field. And then what? You come into the game and strike out. Oh, you suck. When were you even practicing? We're not, these guys have to be trained to hit like 99 mile an hour fastballs or pitches with 94 mile an hour sliders from a DeGrom. And you're sitting here on a taxi squad and three days later, like, oh, you're at bat. Uh, And you didn't even practice. There's no games. So you had no game in AAA. You had like no real batting cage. What did you do? Like some pushups in a room? Sure. And then you're, you're at the field. Take a few licks before the game, uh, and you know, and that's it. So you could, you could, we could do the small sample size, you know, all day for or against how you know players are performing. But those things like taxi squads and these guys moving up and down, up and down. Even Steven Nagosik was in 2019 when he debuted. He started in like Double A, so you're like Double A April, but like May or so Triple A, and then you're at City Field by June. That's pretty interesting maneuvering. So anything can happen at that point when you're moving up three levels in like three months. Yeah, it's absolutely. Ernest Dove joining me. We're talking a little bit about some uh, names to watch, both in the near and short, uh, long-term and short-term. You just brought one up, and I've always felt, if you, if that, you talk about small sample size, if you look at Luis Guillerme, second half of 2019, mainly a pinch hitter, sub in, last year in the pandemic season, very good numbers, has a good eye at the plate, uh, makes contact. We know his defensive prowess. I don't think he has a ton of power, but he could jack one out. Um, I think I was comfortable with them giving up both Jimenez and Rosario in the Lindor deal because I said, if Lindor goes down, I uh, not that he's Lindor, but that's a guy that for 10 days you could be okay with at shortstop. Uh, even when I thought Jimenez was going to be the shortstop, I said, you have, you don't have to go and get a veteran because you have Guillaume that if Jimenez is bad or, you know, you need to give him some seasoning, I'm okay with him in a good lineup being the starter. Now there's talk maybe third base a little bit if J.D. Davis needs a, a late inning sub defensively. Um, what, what, you know, give me what, why you're so high on Luis Guillaume because nobody talks about him. He's looked at as a backup, but again, small sample size over a half and a half a season He's got some very good numbers. OPS is over 800. I mean, that's it's certain things like I've been all about Guillaume and I've been about Tomas Nito uh, for like two years now. And the thing with Guillaume is, okay, we can talk about, you know, lack of power if you want. We'll do that all day. But he's also been a pro hitter who's basically hit, what, 290 his entire pro baseball career. But even if you want to throw out batting average, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Go into the walk versus K rate for his entire pro baseball career through the major leagues. He's a guy that's not going to strike out a lot. The walks are going to be pretty close to the strikeouts in a career in a season anyway for him every year. So if you have a guy that's going to put the ball in play with close to gold glove defense at three positions. That's a lot of value. You can see the value in that. And again, I don't want to just say, well, okay. Make him the starting second baseman. Make him the starting third baseman. Give him 600 at-bats. I won't have to go that far. I mean, I can believe in him. Uh, But rather than say all that, can we get him, I don't know, 350 at-bats at three positions defensively, bat him eighth? How is there not good enough value for a guy who's going to put the ball in play with elite defense and he's going to get you some walks? So it's just what – why does everyone want to throw him out of baseball because he probably hit 200 for a month playing once a week. Right. I mean, well, that that's a great point because what happens sometimes is it's either feast or famine with prospects. Either we we see the elite prospects, the Chris Bryants of the world, uh, and then ah, the rest of them, ah, ah, throw them out. We'll sign Jonathan VR. We'll, we'll get 
You need to have component players. There is no shame in becoming a component player out of a farm system. None in my opinion. Now, maybe Baseball America looks at you a different way. Maybe it's not uh, sexy when you start doing about farm system rankings. Uh, this 10-year career being a component player gets you a nice pension. You know that, Ernest. Nice pension. Give me a $200,000 pension for playing baseball for 10 years, uh, even if I hit 220. Um, so I think that's part of it is perception. Now, I know they have VR. I think VR may could be very valuable. You brought up Thomas Nito. Now, Thomas Nito was hitting much better last year. Uh, unfortunately, got COVID and was out for the rest of the season. So that set him back. James McCann is not a young chicken. You know, he's no spring chicken, but I think James McCann is going to help him a little bit because I don't think you have to play James McCann every day. It's not like he's Piazza. Um, he's a, I was been very impressed in hearing his interviews. I heard him with Howie Rose and Susan Waldman. He's a guy that was before technology doing uh, books on players in the minor leagues when he was with Toledo. And now you have Nito as a backup who is at least going to play once a week, maybe twice. And uh, could learn from a guy, no offense to Wilson Ramos, that was an offensive catcher uh, who caught some really good arms in Washington, but whose body is clearly not what it used to be. This is a way that now you can learn from someone who's a real student of the game. And I'm wondering, are we going to see another version or better version of Nito? Mets might be a lot better behind the plate than we even think. And that's what I'm hoping, because I know I was one of the guys who was reporting it before the 2020 season that, Nito was in one of those, again, behind the scenes, third-party coaching and instructors working on different facets of his game. Because even when I was covering him in the minors in high A, he was the batting champ, which is kind of interesting looking back now, right? The guy won a batting title in the league. Uh, But I know he was a free swinger. I'm sure he won't deny that. So he was a free swinger. He won't strike out a lot. He won't walk a lot. Uh, He's going to take his hacks. And then you go up to double A, triple A. You see the adjustments that need to be made. He made that jump to the majors. He understood what was going on here. He went back on the grind. He worked on certain things with more about power, OPS, the whole thing. And the other guys that he was training with had a couple of monster seasons through the same coaches. So it was like, hey, I believe in myself. I'm going to invest in myself. And he did it. And it was already showing. And then he was even seeing it in some winter ball. He said, I, I feel it. I see it happening. It's happening. Just no one is able to see it. So and then 2020, I don't know what would have happened. So he's a confident guy. And I believe in the coaching that was given to him. I believe the work that he put in. But again, same thing with Guillaume. It doesn't mean like, all right, well, give him 600 at-bats and make him the starting catcher. I could, I could find ways to argue for that all day. But I was, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he should definitely be the be all end all. But I would like to see him, especially, again, he's been catching these guys anyway. And I'm sure some of these pitchers, whether they won't say it publicly or not, I think they have some of those stats where they might have looked really good with him behind the plate rather than Wilson Ramos. But rather than do all that debating, I just think there's a good spot for him still in the Mets organization this year. The rotation is obviously a little bit better with Taiwan Walker coming on board. Uh, you got DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, Walker, Peterson, Lucchese, Syndergaard, hopefully number seven uh, in terms of depth will be here come June 1st. Uh, I had Glennon Rush on the show who coached Lucchese. He's very high on him, thinks he's going to be really good. Uh, David Peterson had a nice rookie season, uh, surprisingly. Uh, you're going to need eight, nine, ten. There's You're probably going to – I always I, – Rick Peterson told me – 10 years ago when I spoke to him numerous times, you need 10 starters. You got to have the mindset that you need to have 10 that can, you know, guys that can get you some quality one, two big league starts. One of the reasons why the Mets collapsed in 07 is they didn't even have that. Um, who is number eight, nine, 10. Is it Yamamoto? Are there other names? Uh, we know who six, seven is, but we know you're going to need eight, nine, 10. Give me some names of eight, nine, 10 that Mets fans should be getting their uh, head wrapped around because they're going to make some starts this year, double header injuries, what have you. Well, hopefully again, Yamamoto is a young guy. So now it's going to be one of those things like Nick Williams. Well, how do you want to develop him? Are we going to shove him in the bullpen to keep him on an active roster? Are we going to have him in AAA and call him up only to start again, the old Swalton flexing thing. Sure. I think a guy like that, you work on some of his, you know, player development, some of his pitches, he could work out. And one of the interesting guys, and it was weird, they kind of name him like the first starter of the whole spring, is Harold Gonzalez. Mm. Uh, 
I've been a fan of Harold Gonzalez for since his days, again, in Class A with the St. Lucie Mets. Uh, he's one of those, like, his stats you can absolutely laugh at because he had some complete DeGrom seasons as far as having an ERA under three. And his, like, I think he was, like, one in nine record. <laughs> um, so he was one of those guys that I, I saw him go out there and pitch seven shutout innings and lose. Uh, he's, but Harold Gonzalez is pretty interesting because he throws the low 90s, so no one's going to make him a top prospect. But he's a pitcher. He is a pitcher. He's going to eat innings. He's a guy that basically has been pitching over 130 innings a year in the minors, which in the minors is a lot of innings. That's a lot of innings. So he's going to eat innings. He's going to give you an assortment of a lot of pitches. And I just heard this week in camp, uh, the, the coaches are really excited about his sequencing, which is going to be important for him again. He's not out there like the ground throwing 99. So with what was being said, his sequences of pitches look amazing because he had a weird dip going from uh, high A to double A. He struggled for about nine starts. And he was, that's a whole thing when you hit that double yeah. A wall. What do sure. you do? Right. Hopefully you don't give up. You got to fight through that. So he was fighting through that. And he succeeded really well coming back to double A. And then triple A was amazing. So Harold Gonzalez is one of those guys where you're not going to hear about him until he's sitting there at City Field with the ball in his hand. But again, I would be really happy to have a Harold Gonzalez as my SP 8910 rather than like, hey, here's Johnny from Indie Ball. He had a great 2016 season when he was last in the majors. So he's going to be an interesting guy. If he shows up, can he give you five, six innings, three, four runs? You're not lighting up the world for an MVP Cy Young season, but I'd be pretty interested to see if a Harold Gonzalez finds his way into a, into the temporary rotation or a double header once in a while. It sounds like Dylan G. Look, he gets some. Uh, it doesn't look like he walks a lot of guys. Dylan G. was a guy that wasn't highly touted, and if not for a serious arm injury, probably would have carved out a good back end of the rotation uh, career. Uh, Ernest Dove with us. Uh, if you if you're not following on Twitter at Ernest Dove. Uh, follow him very much in tune with the Mets system and not just the Mets in terms of prospect rankings, but really understanding who are the guys we should be looking at long-term, short-term. Before we wrap up here, long-term, I think what the Mets are doing is good. And you actually tweeted about this uh, yesterday. They're bringing a number of top prospects to camp. None of them are going to make the team. Francisco Alvarez is not going to make the team. Brett Beatty is not going to make the team. Pete Armstrong, Matt Allen, you know, Mark Vientos, they're not, but they're going to be around What I think is a good group, I don't know these guys personally, but from what I hear and from what I see, and I'm pretty good at judging character, you got a good group here. Whether they win and all is another story, but a good group of guys. Um, Alvarez is showing a tremendous amount of power and getting some attention. Uh, Matthew, uh, well, Matt now, not Matthew. Matt Allen had a great press conference and seems to be walking around drinking in the DeGrom Kool-Aid. Can't complain about that. Uh, Even Mark Vientos, uh, forgotten second-round pick. Mets are going to need a third baseman, potentially, of J.D. Davis. I have faith in J.D. Davis, but who knows? uh, Doesn't pan out. So uh, long-term, who are you looking at this spring? And you know what? I don't think any of these guys are going to help in 2021, but some of these guys might be here sooner than you think. Yeah, when it comes to – I mean, obviously the hot name is Matt Allen, but he's been the hot name since he was drafted. But I remember – hearing some reports from other teammates in the instructional league the year he was drafted. And one of the fellow players was like, Oh yeah, dude, um, he's going to be a guy (laughs) like it's going to be obvious because he's also mature. So they were saying there's also a maturity and wanting to learn with Matt Allen. And I was hearing that from when he was drafted in the first instructs. So they all knew he threw hard. It was the fastball curveball. They all knew about already from day one, even practicing without even pitching in the actual league after he was drafted. So he's definitely someone to be excited about. As for Alvarez, he's one of those huge bonus babies. You all call him the bonus babies when they get the huge super money at 16. Uh, he, he's looking really interesting again. I, I've had him as the number one prospect over Mauricio, Ronnie Mauricio, for about a year or two now because it just – the bat seems to be holding up. But more importantly, everyone still has Francisco Alvarez behind the plate. And he's one of those guys, if he stays behind the plate, he's going to be one of those top prospects at ESPN. And everyone's going to be talking about in the next year. Can he, because can he, he catch? Ernest, Ernest, can he catch? That all the reports are that, you know, he can catch. That's, that's all you really want to hear at this point. 
can right. he stick behind the plate? You know, right. You don't it, know if he's going to be able to play. Here, you don't want you to be stick. Wilson Ramos. You look, the bat's great, but I, I think we're learning that receiving is a, is important, but it's too early to get on his case about that. I mean, he's, you know, what, 19 years old. So, yeah, I just, I'm hearing so many good things. I mean, I'm not even going to compare, but if he ends up being on one of those Travis Darnold levels as a prospect, like everyone's going to talk about him in the top, probably 10 in the MLB 100s and everything. He looks like he could be that guy because the bat is holding up and so is the defense. So that's why I don't know how fast they want to rush him. They were rushing Ronnie Mauricio a little bit before the world ended here. So some of those guys like an Alvarez was probably going to be rushed anyway for Matt Allen. I don't know how they want to do it because he's, he hasn't pitched. So what do you do? You don't just, you don't just manufacture a hundred innings a year and get them to the majors by like next year. I don't, Usually you try to, all the guys that I know of, they get piggyback. So is he going to be a piggyback starter all year, which is what you would usually do at these levels, uh, which is a good idea. And hopefully you should have him pitching to Alvarez, by the way. So wherever they are, put them together and have him piggyback. But the term piggyback kind of sucks because you're not getting there any faster to the Mets if you're pitching four innings a start. But I I don't know how much they want to push him. I know guys over the years, when I covered uh, Anthony Kay, who's now with the Blue Jays, he was already pushing 100 innings in his first season ever post-Tommy John. So there's a precedent for everything. So I don't know if the Mets want to say, Matt Allen, you're our guy. He's projected to basically be – his ceiling is pitching right – is next to DeGrom. He'll be the SP2 in this rotation. That would be his ceiling. So that's why you got to get really excited about him. And And the fact that he can potentially – be advanced is so important because you have decisions to make Stroman and, and Syndergaard are free agents. I don't think you're going to be able to bring both back, you know, even with, do you want to sign both long-term starting pitchers are so mercurial. You got the DeGrom opt out. So you have a rotation right now in flux. All right. You got Carrasco for a couple of years. God willingly, he's healthy and he returns to form. Uh, but you know, the Lucchese and Peterson, even as bullish as somebody could be, those are not SP ones, SP twos. They're not, they might not even be SP threes. Maybe they are. Um, you need to find your next pipeline. Wheeler's gone. Uh, one of Stroman and Syndergaard are going to be gone. Uh, and you may let both walk if it gets bananas and crazy and what have you. So Matthew Allen has a golden opportunity, made a great first impression with the media. He could be a guy that next spring you and I are talking well, maybe he doesn't start the year with the Mets, but similar to Matt Harvey back in 20, uh, what, 2010 or 2011, uh, you're starting to see them, you know, come in and, and, and all of a sudden ascend to the top of the rotation very quickly. And it's, it could be a thing for him. And was it up for JT Ginn? Uh, they, they take a guy who basically needs surgery or surgery right when they get him. And what, what do you do? Or can you piggyback both of them maybe? And that'll be their right. thing. Um, it's it's just really interesting. I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these guys. Like one of the guys that I've been hyping for like two, three years too is a Bryce Hutchinson who lost a ton of weight uh, during this 2020 lost season. And he was one of those guys that kind of got rushed in 2019 up the levels. Uh, you're in like rookie ball and then, you, then now you're in low A out of nowhere in their pen. And then you're starting some games. And he was piggybacking Simeon Woods Richardson uh, who's also now, you know, no longer with the Mets. So right. there's a, ch- I, I've been hearing some rumors that guys are going to get pushed in 2021. Uh, really just meaning they're going to be at the level they were supposed to. Uh, so it's going to be curious to see again with these arms like Matt Allen and uh, JT Ginn, even finally trying to have a career, but I'm seeing maybe with a uh, Mauricio or for uh, Beatty and Vientos, they both play the same position, which please, they need to both stick at third base as well. Now we're having the Alvarez conversation, a catcher. They need Beatty and Vientos to both stick at third. And honestly, you and I shouldn't care less about competition because you worry about that later. Competition Um, is a good thing for everybody involved. It's good for J.D. Davis. Don't move them around. Yeah, don't worry about, oh, can we move them here? Can one of them do this? Like, who cares? Drives Um, Drives me crazy. When I used to hear the Rosario to center field talk, I'm like, None of you guys saw Keith Miller. None of you guys saw Juan Samuel. Just because you're an athlete, just because you got fast, there is so much to that. And by the way, Ronnie Gant, I'll throw another name from the past. He had to go down to Class A. He was a big league hitter, and he turned out to be an MVP type hitter. 
but they had to send him down the Braves to class A to learn to play the outfield. And he was okay. I mean, he was passable as he got older and he had leg injuries. It was a problem. Uh, that was a whole separate thing with the motorcycle accident, but uh, Oh, we'll just put him in center field. I hear members of the mainstream. What would he be put him in center field? Like just because you have a glove doesn't mean you can play center field. It, it's crazy. We're so about moving people around. And then when they, they look bad. Uh, and I even think for JD Davis, having a position was so important for his offense. Lucas Duda, when he played the outfield, when he went to a position that he was, okay, you're the first baseman, his offense all of a sudden had blossomed. You know, uh, it was amazing how we don't think about the impact of all that and what it could do to a player. Because that's what you want. I've seen, I've, you know, some of these guys over the years, some of the, uh, the young Dominican players, I was – uh, really lucky enough to speak to early in their careers. And they, they're just like, my whole entire dream is to be a shortstop. And yeah, when you start moving guys around, even that, among other things, it, it has effects on what they're trying to do and how they're trying to develop for sure. And before I let you go, Louis Rojas, it was a shotgun marriage last year at this time. Beltran gets fired under bad circumstances. I've heard so many good things about, obviously we know Felipe Lou, we know the family. Uh, we've heard so many good things about him. Uh, he, he's very honest about who he is. He, I think he's kind of on the hot seat because I think the media is going to put him on the hot seat. If this team does poorly, he doesn't necessarily have a sexy managerial profile, but he does a very good job. I think handling the media, uh, I hear good things about him in the clubhouse. Uh, managing the bullpen is a work in progress, but he's not the only one out of 30 managers that has that problem. And uh, I don't think he could screw up too much in-game other than the bullpen, let's face it. And the Mets' bullpens have been tough to manage for a variety of reasons over the last few years. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, is Louis Rojas the Mets' manager long-term in this new era of Mets baseball? I mean, I hope so. I was one of those guys. I was the first to predict that he would become the manager uh, before Beltran because I was hearing that that's the name. That's the name, by the way. I was hearing it from some of my minor league sources because – he And even when he was managing the St. Lucie Mets in like 2015, he's a guy that started, he has a name. We know the name and we could talk about that, but he was literally starting from the bottom, making his way up. I mean, he was a guy, I think, driving a bus for some of the minor sure. leaguers. Like he, <laughs> right. he wasn't just a guy like, oh, here's your last name. Now you're our assistant coach. Like, no, 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 no. He did it that way. He, he's, he's a he, great he lesson. He went the grind. So right. he, and then when you, if he, the hot seat is going to be deserved because it is what it is in New York market. The Mets want to win this year. So he'll accept it, but he also has pretty much managed and coached the entire like, you know, system at this point, including many of the major leaguers who even from Jeff McNeil and the Doms and from years ago, he was managing them in the minors. And I was hearing amazing things. Like pretty much every player in the organization is like, we love him. So we respect him. And a lot of those minor leaguers that love him, they're now major leaguers that love him. So we understand the hot seat, but I've heard only good things. And that's why I predicted he would even become the future manager anyway of the Mets. But he earned it. Like I just said, he was sitting there on the grind doing these like assistant intern, like whatever type stuff. And he just did it without question. He didn't just, he worked for everything he's had. So that's why it comes off a certain way in press conferences, but that he's worked for this. Right. You know, that's the lesson with the Gary Carters, the late Gary Carter, Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famers, you know, Gary Carter, I spoke to, he wasn't really into the whole Binghamton Met experience, taking the bus. He wanted the big league job. That's, you know, that's part of it. If you want to be a big league manager. So uh, at Ernest Dove on Twitter, sportanarium.com Saturdays at five o'clock, 10 o'clock. If you're listening, and I know we have some listeners from the United Kingdom and the UK, you know, listen to, you know, stay up late, listen to Ernest stuff. So what else you got going on? Anything else got going on over the next couple of weeks that you want the listeners to know about? I mean, that's, uh, I'm just really excited about what's going on at the sports report. Uh, the show has been growing, We're getting really lucky with a lot of the players. Uh, we, we try to talk about all things, major league baseball, but some of it becomes Mets uh, thanks to some of the connections that I have within the organization. So you can continue to kind of be on the lookout for some more Mets uh, players and minor leaguers uh, being interviewed. And that's what we're going to continue to do each and every week. It also, they're interviewing everything from boxing. Boxing's really big. So I know all you UK listeners, and they're really big on the boxing and a really huge station at Sportinarium. Uh, there's even some wrestling. 
So it gets really interesting on the grind as well on my part and on our part on the show. So you can look forward to all kinds of sports, even amateur sports, pro sports, wrestling, boxing. Uh, we got you covered. Well, the Queen of England is quarantined. Does she listen to the report? I mean, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta see if that's the case. So, anyway, uh, Ernest, thank you so much. Be well. We'll talk soon. And uh, thank you so much for doing this this morning. All righty, my friend. Thank you for having me. Be well. That's Ernest Dove. Uh, you guys know him on Twitter at Ernest Dove. If you're not following him, you should be. And I know we have a UK audience, so I'm making a joke. Maybe the Queen of England's listening. Who knows? We can get feedback from Buckingham Palace. Uh, we do have, actually, it's funny. I'm not just saying that. I, I think it's the second. Obviously, it's the United States show. I mean, that's where you guys are. But I know we have some people stationed in other places. And I do know, because I've gotten emails, uh, that we have some UK listeners. So it's funny that he, he's had a very successful UK-based uh, uh, sports report there. And he does great work for the Mets, uh, you know, nobody all those names that you heard take them seriously because uh i've seen Ernest on twitter over the years throw names out there and louis rojas was one of them and he's been right so all right let's wrap up final thoughts you're listening to the talking Mets podcast we'll be back with more right after this the talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets but the most popular is apple podcast hi i'm mike silver the host of the talking Mets podcast and i encourage you to leave a review about the program on apple just rate it one to five stars hopefully a five because why wouldn't you and then if you have time leave a review it helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen you can also email me at mike silva at talkingmetspodcast.com no g talkingmetspodcast.com hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Uh, great stuff from Ernest Dove. And hopefully we gave you a little bit of a warm-up. Just a little warm-up. Some names to think about. We really didn't get definitive of the guys that we we like because we want to watch the games. We want to get a feel a little bit about where this team is at. And maybe we're not talking about the big topics, but remember what Bill James said. It's all that ground-level stuff that makes a winning team. You know, all the top headline stuff that makes for good newspaper fodder. We'll get to that. We've talked plenty about that. But really, a winning team is around the margins, the edge. And have the Mets done a better job this offseason in between financial wherewithal and maybe some different ways of looking at things with their front office and what have you? Do do they have these kind of players that could potentially make up those incremental differences that sometimes are the difference between making the playoffs or winning a division by a game two or what have you? So we'll see that. See how that all works out. Of course, I want to thank some people here on the way out and then give you kind of a fun announcement. Uh, just a couple of minutes here. I want to thank James Dorazzo. Uh, he's on Twitter at NYMetsKEIUK. Uh, no, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. At James Dorazzo. He was replying to that other Twitter handle. At James Dorazzo, D-U-R-A-Z-Z-O. So there you go. Uh, he gave a nice recommendation out there following Mike Silva Media and listen to its podcast. It's the Mets. It's excuse me. I'm botching this up completely. Follow Mike Silva Media and listen to his podcast. It's the best Mets podcast out there. Thank you, James. That's beyond kind. It's a beautiful thing to get that kind of feedback. And you don't have to do that unless you believe it. And when someone does that out of the blue, it uh it means quite a bit. No pay, no pay for play here at Talking Mets Podcast. Michael Hirsch replying to me your take that this is the media's mo is spot on as a lifelong mets fan i am 66 i feel that they have done more this offseason to rebuild the team on the field and on the farm than i can remember no team is perfect but this one is competitive and watchable i enjoy your work thanks well thank you michael at michael hirsch four on twitter if you guys want to interact and talk a little bit of mets baseball and i had mentioned ironically enough i had mentioned that we have a little bit of a uk audience when you look at the downloads and the um, you know, data, what have you. And Philip Johnson from the UK, he wrote to me, wrote a nice, uh, at Mike Silva, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com, wrote me a nice uh, email, and I'll just share a piece of it with you. And he said, I have tried for some time to work out how to leave a five-star review for your Talking Mets podcast, but listening on TuneIn Radio, I just can't work it out. I can't help you there, Philip, other than I think Apple Podcasts, you have to go there somehow, even if you don't want to listen there. 
you could go there. If you don't have an Apple account, I, I, I don't think you could do it. But I think you could only leave the review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't know if TuneIn Radio has reviews, but it, maybe Google does. So if you could find a way, uh, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, so then he goes on to say, so I thought it was about time I sent you an email thanking you. We have been Mets fans for 17 years now. The difficulty being that we live in England, and you can imagine how difficult it is to keep up with the latest baseball news. So thank you for all the time and effort you put into preparing and presenting the Talking Mets podcast. It's greatly appreciated. We found it just over a year ago, and it has been invaluable. It's informative, professional, and most of all, fun, and is our go-to podcast for news and information about the Mets. Philip, that's so nice. I'm not going to read the whole email. Uh, you know, he sent some very nice things, and that's exactly what you said. It's informative, professional. That's my goal, and we want to have fun. I mean, this is baseball we're talking about. We're not splitting atoms. To quote, you know, Christopher Mandog Russo used to say on the old Mike of the Mad Dog, we're not splitting atoms here. We're not trying to solve world peace. We're trying to talk baseball. Sometimes it feels like it's more complicated than some of those things. Just, just joking on that. So I want to thank everybody. And then starting next week, we are going to have a sponsor. Now, I know what you're going to say, oh, no, are you selling out? Always the goal of this program, and I've been fortunate where this is not something that I need to make X number of dollars and sell out to put food on the table or, or pay for the roof on it. God, God forbid media pays roof for over my head. I'd be living in a box the way things are going these days. But we have a sponsor that reached out. I vetted them out. I think it's a good connection, and I think they're going to provide you guys some value in terms of a discount. It's, it's just going to be something for spring training we're going to try out. And I don't want to announce it. You'll hear it next week. And if you have the opportunity, and that's the thing, if you have the opportunity and this brand connects with you, I'd love you for, to support them. They're, they're looking to get about uh, 10 or so Talking Mets podcast minimum listeners to get on their site, engage, and, and purchase something. Uh, it's a high-quality product. We only try to go with products that are high-quality. Uh, I've vetted them out where I feel that they don't have any kind of uh, negative attention in the world of politics and all that stuff. And it's uh, something that, you know, for most of you that listen, at least those that are male, <laughs> I could say, will probably uh, appreciate. I, I'm sure we have females in the audience. That's okay. And, you know, but we know what radio and the demo is, you know, the old typical, what is it, 25 to 54 or whatever it is. You know, I, don't, I never understood why they just focus on that, but that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother story. Uh, so stay tuned for the month of March. Throughout spring training, we're going to have a sponsor, and there's going to be some fun stuff coming up. So hopefully you guys will support the sponsor. You'll think it's a good decision I made. Maybe it's the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Maybe it's temporary, but it shows the growth of the show, and it's because of you, because you guys listen, you guys engage, you guys continue to give me feedback. That's beyond humbling, and I, and I mean this, and I say this all the time, and if you heard it a thousand times, you're going to hear it a thousand and one. The fact that you take hours out of your day, an hour or minutes, whatever, to listen to this, that's, a value, that's an amazing gift because you could click on an article and click on, read it for 30 seconds, it stinks, and click out. But to engage in something like this is a commitment, and I take that seriously, and I appreciate every time you do it. And I never take that for granted. And hopefully I could continue to live up to this wonderful feedback that you guys have given me. And I really mean that. And the fact that now maybe we have a sponsor that will allow us to continue to grow, maybe add a little bells and whistles. Again, it's not here putting a roof over anyone's head. But, you know, it is nice as we try to make this better and better. It does cost money to do some of the things we do here. So we'll continue to See how that goes. But anyway, want to thank Ernest Dove for joining me today at Ernest Dove on Twitter. Check him out. You will not be disappointed. Of course, you could check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Spring training's here, and the season's around the corner. It's a beautiful thing. Till next week, be well, everybody.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.